0: Week number two, the light of God's grace is a general theme. What is grace? Undeserved mercy. Undeserved mercy. Last week, Pastor Schauer preached on the theme of hope. The light of grace is hope. And this week, the theme is the light of God's grace is that word you saw in the video. That word we sang in both of the hymns sung this morning. That one word is peace. As I'm working on the sermon, I realize they should have been juxtaposed. The first one should have been the light of grace, peace. Because unless you have peace, there can be no hope. If you have a peace as small as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to hope, arise, and it shall arise. But if there is no peace... One has no hope. Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. We read it today. We'll be reading it on Christmas Eve. Let me kind of paraphrase this. You understand Isaiah is writing this 700 years before Jesus is born. And he writes this to the people at that time. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. The people walking in darkness will have seen a great light. This is a messianic prophecy. Those living in the land of deepest darkness, deepest darkness, upon them a light shall dawn. You have enlarged your nation. You have enlarged the number of people who believe in you. It keeps on multiplying. And as the number of people who believes in you and your promises keeps on multiplying, their joy likewise increases. They rejoice before you as a farmer rejoices at the harvest time. They rejoice before you as people rejoice when a victory has been won over their enemies. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, and the rod of their oppressor. When you are living in the land of darkness, what yoke do you have? What burden do you carry? What rod is used against you? Is it not grief? Is not the yoke when you're walking in the land of darkness, is it not grief? Is it not fear? Is it not worry? Is it not shame? Is it not guilt? The yoke that you bear when you're walking in the land of darkness, this light, Jesus, will come and he will shatter the yoke and the burden and the rod. The fear and the worry and the shame and the guilt That will go away because the light has come into the darkness. Verse 5, every warrior's boot used in the battle in the darkness and every garment that is stained in blood gained by walking through that darkness, it'll be destined for burning in the fire. What weapons do you use when you're in the land of darkness? What weapons do you use? Is it hatred? Is it anger? Is it vengeance? Is it fear? Is it worry? What weapons do you use? When the light comes, when Jesus comes into the darkness, you don't need the weapons anymore. The hatred and the anger and whatever else fills you when you're walking in the land of darkness, it is no more because the light has come. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the world's way of dealing with darkness. Be transformed by the light that comes. And then he says this. The reason I am telling you that the yoke will be shattered and the reason I'm telling you that the garments and the weapons you use in the land of darkness shall be no more. The reason I'm telling you this, unto us a child is born. And if you're Baptist, you say amen. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. The governing of the affairs of this world, the governing of the affairs of your life, that governance will be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called the Wonderful Counselor, counseling us through the promises found in his word. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, of the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father of mine, and the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his governance of our affairs, and of the increase of his peace, there will be no end. The zeal, the passion, the power, the love of God will accomplish that which I have prophesied. The Bible makes a repeated distinction between two kingdoms, two elements that will forever battle for the soul and the life of everyone born onto this earth. The two kingdoms, the two elements are number one, the kingdom of light ruled over by God himself, let there be light. And the other kingdom is the kingdom of darkness, and that is ruled over by Satan. Uh, hence the verse, Ephesians six eleven and 12, uh, put on all the armor of the God of light, because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood enemies. We wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of this world world's darkness against spiritual powers of wickedness in the heavenly places. Isaiah 9 verse 2, right in front of your eyes, the people have been walking in the arena of darkness, have beheld a great light, and those walking in the land of deepest darkness, a light has shone. Someone bearing a lantern has come. Some shepherd looking for his lost sheep. Some shepherd has come. It takes great power to enter the darkness. No one else can do it except God. And you, if you have God in you, 1 John 4, 4, everyone born of the God of light has overcome the darkness of the world because the one in you, namely God, is stronger than the one that reigns over darkness, namely Satan. What is the victory that overcomes the darkness in our life? 1 John 5, 4, this is a victory, faith in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who said to his disciples on that day, if you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, you can say well, to whatever mountain of darkness is in your life, move, and it will move. It takes great power to walk into the darkness which God has done. It also takes great love. Who cares about you on this earth? Not too many people. Your mom and your dad, maybe your siblings, your children. There are not a lot of people that love you intensely on this earth, but he does. And his love is so exceptional that when you are in darkness, he comes when you are in darkness, prodigal sons and daughters, he comes. When you're in darkness, Bartimaeus, literally. When you're in darkness, crippled man of Jericho, ten lepers. When you're in darkness, he comes. And so he does to you and me. You sit and say, I don't feel God's presence all that often. I would dare say when darkness comes into your life or mine, then you feel his presence because he's coming. In all his power, he's telling Satan, your darkness in Strand's life, I'm going to push you away from him. Because I have the power to do it. And I have the love for him that will cause me to do it. He will search for you. The darkness wraps its tentacles around your heart and your mind, suffocating you with fear and panic and grief and everything else under the sun. And the Bible talks about the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit cuts those tentacles away from your heart and your mind. And all of a sudden you can breathe. And you are breathing in God. And you are breathing in his promises. And when the light comes into the darkness, the darkness begins to dissipate and the joy increases like a farmer gathering his harvest or a people celebrating a victory over their enemy. As I look at the wording of Isaiah, I cannot help but think he plagiarized a little bit. (laughs) Because David, in Psalm 139, 150 years earlier, he kind of wrote the same thing that Isaiah did. David wrote Psalm 139. Can it be that a darkness would come into my life And the light of God would be extinguished. And he answers the question. The darkness will never be too dark for you. And when you come into my darkness, the darkness will become light. There is a phrase there that I never really saw before until this past week. It says this of God. The darkness is not dark to you. Darkness is not dark to you. God doesn't understand what darkness is because it's not in his life. And when he sees it in the life of his children, then he comes. Darkness is not dark to you. Two great entities, God, Bible says, God is light, in him there is no darkness. Jesus said in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. And then Jesus says to us, you be my light. Matthew 5, 16. Let the light you receive from me so shine in other people's darkness that they may see this light coming out of you into their darkness And they'll give thanks to God that he used you to bring the light to them. There are many types of darkness. There is hardly anyone at Christmas time who does not battle with one of these darknesses. You have the darkness of addiction. You have the darkness of depression. You have the darkness pertaining to your health. Cancer will certainly do that, or MS, or any other illness. You have the darkness of finances. Will I be able to pay my mortgage in January? The cost of everything has gone up so much. You have the darkness of broken relationships. He was my dearest friend. I don't know what I said or did, but I haven't heard from him in three months. Darknesses abide. There are two that are deeper than any other. There are two that enter the category of Isaiah 9. There are only two deep darknesses. And these darknesses, they reach to the soul. They utterly reach to the soul. I've had four funerals in the last nine days. Pastor Schauer has one on Monday. And as the family sit here... If they sit in the front at one of the funeral homes, I see the deep darkness. I see the utter blankness of their faces or a great weeping. I see the stooping of their shoulders and understanding grief. For the first time in my life, 16 years ago, my heart breaks for them because I know how deep the grief goes And now how long it lasts? The deep darkness of grief. Jesus has entered the darkness. You say, that's not possible. It is possible. You remember the episode when Lazarus dies, you know, like a week before the cross. Lazarus dies. There's Martha. Jesus says to her, I know you're very sad. I know you're angry. You thought I should have come. I could have healed him. But I'm going to tell you this, Martha. You've watched me for three years. You've seen miracles coming forth from me. You saw me feed 10,000 people with five loaves and two fish, or at least you heard about it. I'm going to say this to you, Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, your brother Lazarus, even though he dies, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. What is Jesus doing 20 minutes later? He's standing by the grave of Lazarus. What is he doing? He's weeping. John chapter 11, he looks at Mary weeping. He looks at Martha beside herself with grief. He looks at all the friends he's come to know in Jerusalem, and they're all grieving. And the Bible says he was moved with deep emotion. Only one other time does he use that Greek word, and that's when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood. He's moved with deep emotion, and Jesus weeps. Death is Satan's realm, 2 Samuel 14, verse 14. But God makes a way in that darkness of death. He makes a way for us to get to heaven. And he makes a way for us who are surviving grief. He makes a way for us to have peace in our hearts. Because when we wake up in the morning, it is one day closer to seeing that loved one again. Jesus walked in the darkness when the Bible says he wept. The second deep darkness, I'll be brief. Second deep darkness is sin. That's all there is to it. Second deep darkness is is sin. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is what? Death. You have both deep darknesses in that one verse. The wages of sin is death. Last week, the first Sunday of Advent, we did not read the pericopes of the Missouri Synod. We stuck with the general theme. Do you realize what the first reading was for the first Sunday of Advent as we're getting ready for the birth of Christ? Do you realize what the first reading was? Jesus riding into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And if you don't know stuff very well, you're thinking, that's just crazy. Someone messed something up. They didn't mess it up. The reason that that is the first gospel of Advent is because that's why the baby was born. So that 33 years later, he could ride into Jerusalem and one week later, he could hang on the cross. For what purpose? to free us from the darkness of sin. Isaiah 59, 2, there is only one thing that separates us from God. Thy sin has separated you from God. He cannot see thee. He cannot bless you. Thy sin has separated you from God. Well, why in the world would Paul write in Romans 8, nothing separates us from God. Not life, not death, not angels, not demons. Why does Paul contradict what Isaiah wrote? Because Jesus came. Jesus came. And he paid the penalty for us. Second Corinthians 5.21, God made Christ who knew no sin to be sin for us. That's why he came. To die, on that, to die on that cross. Does he understand sin? Did he ever enter that darkness more than you'll ever realize? As he began to enter that darkness, he's sweating drops of blood in Gethsemane. And he said something that you and I will never, never, never say if we lived a thousand years. Jesus said on that cross, My God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? The sins of all mankind were upon him like one huge mountain, and God could not see him. And when Jesus spoke those words, he had entered into the deepest darkness of sin. And God said, you'll pay the penalty I will be separated from you, Jesus. You'll pay the penalty for mankind's sin. How quickly did God restore the relationship? Does it not say in the Bible that whenever a sinner repents, the angels in heaven rejoice? As soon as Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was his way of repenting for the sins of all mankind And when he spoke those words, the angels in heaven began to applaud. And God said, God said, it is finished. And Jesus said, it is finished. The land of the darkness of sin and the land of the darkness of death. It will be changed now because I have died on the cross for mankind's sin. You sin, you ask God to forgive. He does it instantly. And when he forgives, he lifts you up, sends you out to be his light in this world's darkness. First words out of Jesus' mouth when he rose from the dead, you know what it is. Is it about God? Thank you, God. <laughs> Is it about himself? Look at me. What were the first words out of Jesus' mouth when he rose from the dead? It was about you. Jesus said, because I live, you, Helen, you, Jonathan, you, Dorothy, you, Eleanor. Because I live, you shall live also. Isaiah had it correctly. For those walking in darkness, a great light has shone. And for those dwelling, not walking, but dwelling, meaning it's gone on for a long time. For those dwelling in the land of deepest darkness, how long have you mourned the passing of your loved one? A year? Ten? How long has sin grabbed hold of you, a particular sin that you can't seem to break? For those dwelling in the land of deepest darkness, a light has come. The shepherd of the sea brings his lantern. And he will escort you out of that land of darkness into his light. You shall call his name Emmanuel, which means the God of light is with us. In his powerful name, amen. Heavenly Father, light and darkness, if we enter a dark room and we hit that switch, if the electricity is working, the darkness will vanish with the snap of a finger And that is the power of the light that you bring into our life. And that is the power of the light you ask us to bring into other people's darkness. Let us have eyes to see your promises. Let us have eyes to see the needs of those around us. And in the meanwhile, Lord, keep us ever close to you. In our Savior's name, amen.